Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Season 1, Episode 7. Marsalis is over, but here in Post Show Recaps, we are just getting started. My name is Grace, but of course I'm not alone. I'm here with DM Philly. Philly, how you doing? I'm good. I'm so good. Am I supposed to be doing Rome announcer voice stuff every day? When <laughs> the newsreader? Like yeah, Maybe. am I supposed to be like, Rome, the final frontier? Um, wait, what about this one? I've been workshopping a couple here. Is um, Rome the final frontier? I don't think it is. Rome. Isn't that space? Yeah. All roads lead there. That's uh, good. That, that's okay, right? What about this one? What about this one? Rome. It's where the heart is. Is that a, is that a fun one? Is that fun? That's no. good. It's too clever? Too clever? That's no, good. Okay. Well, uh, where the heart is? Is that what you said? Yeah. Am I missing? Well, it's not home. It's Rome. Oh. Oh. Where the heart is. Rome is where the heart is. I got it. I got it. Okay, I got it. Uh, Bumper stickers. I love Rome. Uh, no. <laughs> Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm punching no, it. It's good. it's good, it's good. Uh, talking about Farsalis, I thought this was pretty good episode, intriguing. One thing I will say that I expected a lot more action in this show. And I don't think that I am disappointed necessarily by the lack of action, but it definitely is surprising me. When like we have armies like mm-hmm. gallivanting across, you know, Greece and Rome and wherever. I kind of expected like, okay, Caesar's marching. He's going to fight. And then often it's just like, whew, that was a tough battle, huh? That was, that was crazy. Tough. That was a fight. I didn't want to spoil you on this because I could tell that this was part of your anticipation early on when you're like, oh, but we didn't really see the battle. But like, lest we forget, you know, this show comes out at a time prior to the explosive success of a game of thrones like the end of season one of game of thrones Tyrion rides into a battle that happens off screen we do exactly this technique right not until season two that it like catches giant momentum do we do a battle of the blackwater thing but 
I will I will give you this spoiler going ahead. We're not going to get a lot of large scale epic battles. Gladiator, this is not mm. Grace. There's not like turns huge... out the Colosseum is not built for another hundred years. So all of us are putting in the Colosseum. That's like uh, you know uh where it's like the the ground zero that's that's opposite when it gets destroyed but like where they're going to build the coliseum that's where we're putting them yeah. yeah yeah technically i mean there's definitely still blood sport they're all about the blood and sand at this point but yes we have been corrected by our, our historian out there in the crowd yeah. that the coliseum you know what for 100 years we have many we have many roman historians rich who Ooh. have reached out uh, uh to us i know alex in the discord and um we have plans to get alex on here too uh i believe tentatively titled what we got wrong about rome rich what yes. about that yeah. yes yeah but um very much appreciative i also have uh krista um in my in my uh, message me on dms explaining everything one of my big questions i did ask alex and i asked krista is there's often this big calendar on the wall that i assumed mm -hmm. was a calendar and they're moving like a golden fish around but then mm -hmm. i also so it was like didn't like caesar like invent the calendar he changes the calendar i believe it's actually yeah. what happened so he shoved july in there yeah that's right so um actually what she has told me is that it is a calendar um alex told me this as well but to keep track of the days and all the religious festivals and actually it didn't survive rome and people who study study ancient roman religion really wish it did because of all the religious details that was in it so that that was pretty pretty interesting people are telling me why octavia and octavian are named uh octavia it's because their father was octavius that's it mm -hmm. similar to how julius caesar's daughter is julia um mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah you yeah, just get loved, named after your parent yeah. they loved uh some classic naming conventions there octavia octavian yeah it used to really throw me off when i was a young person to understand that like he changed the calendar i was like how how i don't, I don't think that that's how math works how did yeah. we do that how could we possibly have done that um yeah. and it's such a foregone conclusion and accepted worldwide it's kind of crazy to imagine somebody being like we're changing the calendar we're, we're adding an extra 30 days grace um, yeah yeah it's incredible kind of the amount of small detail that was preserved like so much of the history was lost you know i'm talking about the winter king with prez over on mgm plus and and that's a story about like kind of uh fifth century britain and and a huge component of it is the kind of vestiges of the roman empire that have like collapsed there these like little tidbits of knowledge so much of like the robin hood legend and the arthurian legend are like tied into the fall of the roman empire so as much as i keep talking about how much of this culture has been preserved and stands as like the pillars of modern society today it's kind of wild how much of it was lost, but we're fortunate that there were all these kind of letters and documents that allow us to have a pretty insightful glimpse into these people's lives um, yeah. alongside all the speculation. Yeah. Well, we're here for the fall of Rome. We're going to keep talking about it, thinking about it every day. Posturecaps.com slash Rome. Make sure you're subscribed. Also, uh, probably the easiest way to actually find the feed, we don't say this often enough, is just go to your podcaster, uh, catcher app of choice, whether you're mm -hmm. in Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or Overwatch. What are they? I don't know. There's too many of them. Um, and just search Posture Recaps or Posture Recaps in Rome. And it should pop up for you, especially sometimes it's hard to find at the beginning of a new feed because uh, the episodes are sort of like trickling in and it takes sometimes a couple episodes to like validate the feed. This is all mumbo jumbo. You don't really need to know. By this point, episode seven, there should be, you should be able to find the feed. And if you're having trouble, just message us at Posture Recaps uh, on, on Twitter or email us, us grace at posturerecaps.com. Um, all right. Um, let me give a quick plot recap of this episode for Salas. Caesar is seemingly losing the war. Pompey doesn't want to crush him, but he is convinced to do so by his uh, compadres, uh, Cato and Brutus. When he attacks, he ends up losing the battle and Caesar wins. Oops. 
Uh, Brutus surrenders to Caesar and he forgives him and hosts a feast. There's another man who's with him who I kept forgetting to clock his name. Cicero. Um, I think it's Cicero. Cicero. Got it. Um, Pulo and Verena survive a shipwreck and end up on a very small island. They make a raft using bloated dead bodies of their fellow soldiers, but are found by Pompey and a few remaining men. Pompey's guard offers to work with Verenus and Pulo to kill the general. He's his guard slash guide. And when Verenus refuses, he kills the man, though does not capture Pompey. Instead, he lets him go. Actia sends Octavia back to Servilia for men to guard the door. While visiting, they learn of Caesar's victory, and the two find comfort in each other, and they kiss. Vrenus tells Caesar he let Pompey go. Mark Antony thinks he should be punished, but Caesar believes these two men have the gods on their side and we would be foolish to punish them. Pompey does get to Egypt only to be stabbed on the beach by a Roman soldier. And that's Pharsalus, Rich. Indeed, that is Pharsalus. Uh, I had a thought here, Grace. I may, this may, I may have asked you this already, honestly. Like, Rome is bleeding into Rome, is bleeding into Rome. But are we the, the Pulo and Varenis to Josh Wiggler Caesar? Is that, like, <laughs> what's happening here? Is there any of that energy the going on? The boots on the ground? Yeah. I, guess. yeah. I mean, Josh also has his boots on the ground, but... Indeed. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just Caesar think that we're, too. we're favored by the gods, right? The gods are our <laughs> friends. Uh, uh -huh. I really like this episode. I know we got to the end of like our recap yesterday and you were talking about the shipwreck. Like, oh yeah, I'm sure that's going to be fine. Like you didn't expect we were going to get like no. a castaway, dead man, bloated raft. Like there's some crossover with Pirates of the Caribbean titling in there that I don't mm -hmm. can't even think of. But uh, really quite the odyssey for these two as they take to the seas. Yeah, I believe Rome comes out in um, 2005, the TV show, not the not the ancient civilization. Not I mean, the ancient my math. civilization. I, I believe I'm my math right. Um, but a little bit of like, hey, did you see that Lost episode from, you know, the Lost premiere last year? Maybe we like do that, but like a shipwreck. Uh, it's a very small island they end up on. Yeah. Indeed um, it is. I mean, yeah. I can't like help but think back to that time. And, and Gladiator and Castaway are inexorably linked. I think I've already made this reference on this podcast. But there's yeah. clear like Gladiator energy. You know, there was a real meme on The Sopranos of Ralphie Cifaretto, like obsessively quote gladiator everywhere he went like years after it aired talking about how he watched it every day on his dvd player state of the art at the time and that was like a very real thing i felt in the early 2000s like most of my friends would talk about gladiator given any opportunity so i feel like these things informing this show you can really see it but i really like this episode like a lot and i like the convention um while i'm with you that like certainly at the time I was surprised and remember expecting there to be battles that we don't see transpire, but I think they do a pretty good job working around them, right? The way that like we play with the edit of like them riding out of the tent only to be like riding back to the tent to like, that was a real harrowing day of blood and sand grace. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously an HBO show. And I think that that comes with some, you know, um, there's a production value that I think you expect. And I think some people were tuning into Rome and I kind of had the same thing of, we do have to remember that this is a show that is, I think pre like HD, right? So this is not oh, something for I think. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And so even as we're watching in our HD TVs, it wasn't filmed that way. Right. Um, the, what did the Sopranos 
is I mean, this is 2005. So the Sopranos is cooking already, but you got to remember the Sopranos not fundamentally com- no, no, not even close, but compared to the shows well, one season that we talk about as prestige TV now, um the Sopranos is so low budget, Grace. It's like guys with suits and cars, right? There's no dragons, there's no like exploding fire. We don't have to deal with like any of the kind of over the top effects that we get in genre TV or in a recreation of a period piece. Like mm-hmm. even just comparing the budget of Rome as it stands here now to the first season of the Sopranos, I would guess this is like twice as much, if not just for the costuming and the set design and like the production elements that were there for 2005. This was like a pretty big jump for television. Right. Right. Um, yeah. And so I think that, um, Ooh, do you know was nominated for outstanding main title design? That feels like a mistake. I mean, maybe main title main titles at the time i mean yeah well for rome we're saying i see like that's where i don't think it was because i just remember when we talk about rome was nominated for uh in 2006 outstanding main title design oh main title design i guess we're talking about the credits yeah maybe not maybe the opening credits maybe Maybe but it but it wins it wins for art direction uh wins for costumes wins for hairstyling uh nominated for makeup for a series non-prosthetic uh music all all, you know all of it um uh, outstanding special visual effects for a series as as yeah it tracks for me i you know i had a friend of mine get my dms when we started the fall of rome and they were like gosh it's so old it doesn't really hold up when i put it on my screen and i'm like fair enough it's not going to be for everybody some folks are going to be turned off by the older production it's like trying to sit down to watch like dr strange love or like some older movies sometimes you have to like get yourself in the zone to appreciate it in the context of what it was but for 2005 this was a very different television landscape this Uh is before the era of prestige tv as we know it right um like the wire isn't quite cooking yet and that's a show that didn't get its acclaim until after it was done breaking bad is still like on the distant horizon we're in an era where like the last writer strike of, of 20 years ago was just about to kind of ramp up. It was a very, very, very different world in television. Right? Yeah. The nominees for outstanding drama series, the year that Rome comes out and gets nominated for a bunch of these like other categories is 24 Grey's Anatomy house, the Sopranos and the West wing. So yeah, right? mostly one HBO show in there. Everything else is a network drama. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, different, a different time indeed, but you know, the I think that the thing for me that works is it, the character work is so is so good. And it, I mean, I say that knowing that, like, yeah, a lot of the action stuff is, is out. And I I don't know. It's interesting because I, I think that there for me, I definitely did think we were going to get more action scenes, but I, I don't necessarily always feel like it's missing. It kind of surprises me when it's like, oh, we didn't start the episode with a big battle scene. Mm-hmm. We didn't end it. We just like catch up to where they are. And, and literally in this episode. Um, Caesar is Caesar is going like is losing the war. He thinks he's going to be attacked and then is attacked and wins. Like that all happens within this episode and we don't see any of it. In fact, the most detail we get is Pompey explaining to Varenus how he lost. He lost. He's like, you see how they like flanked me. And then this, like these men, you know, dug in and it, and it rolled up my, my line like a carpet. So I, to be honest, like I, I was expecting it, but I, I don't think it's like missing from, from the show necessarily in a way that I thought it might. If you told me before very little action, I would have been very surprised about that. Yep. 
Yep. Yeah. I think that that'll track for a lot of folks, you know, again, just like expectations. Uh, they are what they are. But I, I do think the character work is consistent throughout. And you have a lot of great performers in really compelling roles, right? It's very much about the fallout, the results of the battles, not the battles themselves. And there is certainly action as we go here. It's just much more personalized, right? It's much more akin to like that uh, pilot episode that we kind of watched, right? Of like a little bit of a fight of Pulo charging the line here, right? Uh, the like attacking of of like the Gauls who stole the Golden Eagle. We're going to get some fights along the way, but we're not going to get the large scale battle of Pharsalus um, as depicted on TV. Like, you know, again, like not to, to belabor the point, but in this era of time, like that was the kind of stuff that gets reserved for television right? or for film. Movie, right, and it's right. rare that you see it on television. You know, um, that's why things like, you know, Saving Private Ryan or Gladiator, all these like big spectacles films were as like titanic as they were and worth noting at the time but like titanic this is also where, so yeah true <laughs> uh hollywood definitely was like getting obsessed with like period recreations at the time they're doing troy they're yeah. doing like a bunch of things yeah. on the heels of the success of like gladiator coupled with like the big lord of the rings explosion this is the beginning of the turning of the wheel that'll shift the perspective about genre properties right like we're still in the very earliest building stages of the MCU, the, the superhero film does not yet dominate the the kind of theaters at this stage of the game. So it's a different mm. landscape for entertainment TV. Not as a collective. I mean, Spider Man was huge. Well, right? not the MCU. Spider Man and, and yeah. the X Men movies had like blown the roof off, and that yeah. begins the deluge of superhero content that we're going to get over the course of the next ten years. But all yeah. of those things are still in like early production cycles, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, two thousand five. We don't even have uh, our first like Incredible Hulk yet, right? It's like kind of just coming out. That like yeah, Iron Man comes in. Iron Man comes out in. Yeah, Iron Man comes out in 2008. Uh, when yep. Batman begins, uh, that's 2005. So that's yep, it's right now. here. Yeah, yep, yeah. Um, I love the Pula of Rena Steph. I think on one hand, it's very silly. They're the only two men who survived the shipwreck, and this <laughs> is brutal. I love, um, uh, Pulo is he's fishing right, and Brennus is like, we will we will uh, die of thirst before we starve. So you are wasting your time as he's trying to make a fire. Um, or no, he's writing a letter. Uh, mm -hmm. to Niobe I on love this on a rock <laughs> I I love this so much because I, I also think the ending of the episode when Caesar's like these two men are blessed by the gods like they have they have very powerful friends on their side we would be fools to do anything against them I think that that is enough for me just in the in the world of the show to justify like sometimes it is hard when you have these like two characters who seemingly have plot armor mm -hmm. in Pulo and Brennus but like again we're like we're only just about halfway through season one. So I'm not expecting anything that bad to happen to them. Um, this is a bad thing that happens to them, but I feel like they're going to survive, but I feel like there's a way in which I roll my eyes at it until the end of the episode where Caesar's like, you know, Hey, they, the gods are their friends. And it, it adds to the story in a way of like, why are we following Pula and Vernus? who mm -hmm. I will correct myself. I know I'm many days late on this. They are real people who were referenced in Caesar's letters, but basically every fact about their life is unknown. And so the rest of it's made up. So they, I will correct myself that they are real people, but these are fictionalized depictions of people who yeah. are literally referenced in letters. 
Yeah, it's really a fun thing to consider, you know, the idea that these two, like, um, you know, soldiers that we really know nothing about, their names have endured across the ages, and now we're, like, spinning our own fiction about them, and, and it's kind of cool that they have become, like, legends in their own right, for anybody who watches this show, they are incredibly compelling characters, like, I, I, you know, I keep joking about the Oscar and Felix dynamic between them, but these guys are fundamentally motivated by such different things, um, I think that they make, like, I think Pulo specifically makes a great archetype for a D&D character, Grace, and that mm. like his needs are Somebody really simple do that. and driven. Somebody should do that. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, his needs are really like simple and his motivations are driven in a way that like want to bring him out to like adventure. When he finds and, the sword belt the and he's yes. like, tell Etienne, I also love her. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. Yeah. I, I love the dynamic of the two of them on the island. They're supposed to be somewhere in like the G and C. And I know like I've watched a couple of videos now. I'm like getting caught up. I'm doing my history. I was watching like a breakdown on the battle of Pharsalus last night to get the battle that um, we didn't see on the show itself. And I don't think that there's a ton of these kind of like isolated, completely abandoned islands in the Aegean, mm -hmm. especially at this point when lots of people were like sailing through it exploring but it's a really fun idea pulo finding the sword like back and forth between them pulo's like optimism to like varinus's absolute like morbid honor here he just needs to like leave a letter on this rock for his wife you know and them sailing away on the corpses at the end is like absolutely inspired grace it's so so good you like name check the raft from lost i can't yeah. help but think of like tom hanks and wilson hanks, there yeah. but like the corpses are just like so fantastic as they float out into the ocean and the way like wow. Varinus like rationalizes it you know what I mean of like the ether of Poseidon yeah. <laughs> I know so the other good. one is Niobe says very clearly this episode Varinus and I keep saying Varenus I know it's Varinus but we'll get there eventually after 22 episodes we'll get there no I love it I love the I love using the, the floating dead bodies uh, the corpses of their soldiers uh, to, to raft up it's very funny because basically they end up like you know, washed up on shore twice this episode, once yeah. in the first shipwreck, and then again when they like pass out in their little raft and they wind up um near wherever Pompey actually ends up ends up being. Um, but they they do it twice and have way better luck both times than Pompey does the one time he sails up on the shore at the end of the episode. But entirely um, true. Yeah, poor Pompey. He lost his head there at the end. I did love the Pompey stuff this episode. I think that um he's such a, an interesting character and Kenneth Granham like really brings him to life in a way. Not yeah, this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> uh, he brings him alive just in time for him to exit that life. He he just has this charm. The whole way he does the, like, I will be Aeneas Mella. And, like, as he's telling the children the story, um, it's really, like, sad. I have compassion for this kind of, like, ruthless bastard by the end of it. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I think that this story here where we lead into um, this man who. Um, has no nose, seemingly has this little uh, no either nose protector. I presume. See, see in uh, a game you and I both very much enjoy, Rich Crusader King. Simply when you see this type of thing, it means they have been wounded, and so it's to like a uh, you know kind of like hide their abnormalities. So this man, I presume, has lost his nose in combat. Who is guiding um, uh, Poppy around, and it's not going well even before Varanus and Pulo arrive to potentially help him. Uh, take out all of uh, to take out Pompey and to take the family and children and slaves. They'll split them up accordingly. Um, but he's like, you know, you pay me as a guide, not as like a protector of you. So like, I'm going to need extra coin. And Pompey is very much like, no, I am in the worst situation of my life. I have no coin to spare for you, my friend, not my friend. Uh, he makes this promise of like, you'll get it when we get yeah. there. And just yells at him. And it is this dynamic of like, again, what's so interesting to me about like where power lies, right? Like Pompey's power is in like the collective ultimately. And the, the notion that like these guys are only as strong as how many legions they can kind of count behind them. And their ability to pay those legions is going to be like fundamental moving forward, right? Where is the money coming from? How do they get it? That's a thing that um, will start to become more important the deeper that we get in the Rome. But the whole scenario with Pompey, the fact that like he loses this battle, he shouldn't have lose, he shouldn't have lost. Like I love him breaking it down for Varanus at the end. The energy between them is fantastic. I'm a sucker for this trope, Grace. Like if you're like always here for like the old man has to shepherd like a young child into an uncertain future, I am always here for like uh, the muted honor of like really kind of morbid but noble men discussing their failings and their shortcomings without actually addressing them in any direct way whatsoever you know as he's talking about his flank getting rolled up like a carpet and the whole closure at the end and Varenus making this choice to like show mercy right the way he comes back to Caesar with that I know you talk about like the gods be, being enough to justify it I also love that I think it's great and I think it really like puts some emphasis on the right syllable in terms of like the gods were really important to day to day life in ancient Rome and like Caesar even if like he didn't believe this it's enough that like he wouldn't want to piss off people who might believe this right um to yeah. go with it but the, the idea that like game respects game a little bit that caesar's looking at this guy like you've created a giant pain in my ass lucius Ferranus. but honestly like i might have done the same thing in your position like fair enough fair enough and i kind of like pompey he's my friend like that's the question i had for you here as caesar takes in 
um, you know, Brutus and Cicero when they come to him and he's like, where is Pompey? Where is Pompey? Do you read that as like authentic friendship or do you think that's part of the game? No, it's the game. I think it's yeah. the game. I do think that there's a way. This is one of the scenes that I thought I'm reflecting on. If this was made now, do we get the same thing where Caesar is, um, you know, basically forgiving Brutus, making like no real surrender. Like you don't actually have to surrender any of your stuff. You're good. Come back. Let's feast. Let's toast. And you're good. But that to me all feels like a game. Like what's the point of ruling over nothing you know if there's nothing left right um rather than these men who serve loyalty i think the idea of loyalty is really interesting and just to finish my point on the i think it is all um the idea of it's a game and i do think caesar does not actually care for pompey and would rather kill him or whatever execute him but at the, and, and the idea of his depiction i'll also acknowledge that like seven episodes into a 12 episode season a 22 episode run so i feel like it's pretty good for him but i can still see this as like a very risky maneuver to let everyone else um come back specifically again not to be results oriented but i know how it ends between brutus and Caesar. <laughs> you have to bring him back into the fold uh, i don't know we shall see um but um yeah so the idea of like um whether or not he would let you know he would also forgive uh upon it's a complete political maneuver right that like uh there's no he needs to like reassemble order but for him to be at the center of the order in the same way that last ep last episode the episode before when mark antony i think last episode wants him to be co-consul right he's like mm -hmm. um he he wants to and this is how dictators do their work this is if you look at the history of many of um the most infamous dictators in the history of our world they Happened don't pretty they don't recently break, even yeah they don't break the system they well they do break the system they don't destroy the system they they find the cracks in the system and work their way into it and and then fr and then fracture it right or and, and like use some of these things um um, you know, the idea that like, um, you can, you can make the law now you can make the laws to be what you need to do. You are, you need, you need some of that order to be able to like, that's where the, that's where the power lies. Right. So I, yeah, I think he needs these men to like bow down to him. Um, and that's why he does it. I think. I think that's very fair. There was a princess a long time ago, someplace far, far away that said, this is how democracy dies with thunderous applause. The idea right. that dictators like manipulate the loopholes in the system and that they literally like gaslight the people and trick the people into supporting their dominance and supporting their kind of ascension into power. This was like a big play with Caesar, right? See, Caesar, like my understanding, and I'm sure that the historians can correct us and please do, is that he comes from like, you know, noble background than a noble lineage, but that the nobles of Rome like did not look fondly on this man. He had done his thing as like consul for a year. The consul position is only like one year at a time. And that he mm -hmm. ended up with like the governorship, which puts him in charge of these like legions afterwards. And he gets governorships of like three provinces, which is extraordinarily unheard of. But that ultimately this whole like power to the people trip that Caesar's on of like, we need to make sure that the plebs have like bread and wine and empower the people is like a political maneuver. It's a game ambit that he's utilizing because he knows he can't get the support of the other nobles who know him and know what a threat he is and know the inclination for him to like seize power and rule as a dictator so he tricks the masses into like supporting his ascension right and like this popular appeal thing it's such a thing that we get in Rome again like it's memed out of its mind with like our, our Joaquin Phoenix gladiator gif here right but like when the people don't support your decisions it's going to create much more tension here so I'm with you 
you. I guess call me like I've drank the Kool-Aid a little bit. Seven episodes back into Rome. Part of me like I'm like, what a good friend Caesar is. What a magnanimous, what a magnanimous war leader. You know, look how kind he is to his friends. Don't even talk about surrender, Cicero. Come inside. Yeah. Have my yeah. bread. Have my wine. Yeah. This is a show that I will say I'm watching. It's an HBO show, but I would love to have Amazon Prime's X-Ray feature. Right. I will say. As I'm Man, doing some respect to the Amazon Prime X-Ray features. It's a little clunky to use, but God, there's so much awesome material in there. I don't like it on my TV, but if I'm watching something on my my monitor, my my computer, it's such a delight. It's a great. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, I think, one of the only thing I think the ending of this episode is great. The idea I was not, I did not, again, as somebody who didn't know how Pompey died, this was great. Him like show, like he gets to leave and he shows up on the beach. He just gets sliced by uh Septimius, I believe Lucius Septimius. Yeah, um, he gets full out decapitated grace. They take that head clean off. Yep. Yes. This is a uh, true events. The one thing I will say, I'm intrigued to see you potentially know what's coming. Um, I don't know when she shows up in this show, um, but this is basically um, that uh, Cleopatra is like, yeah, I'm a, I, I don't care that he has like basically no men. We have a lot of Roman soldiers in, in Egypt here. And rather not let him ferment any sort of rebellion and rule any part of Egypt. So maybe just stab him on the beach. Uh, so I'm excited to see um, if that comes up. And except, but I thought the ending was pretty fun. It was pretty good. Of like Pompey's free. He's good. He walks. He talks his way out of um, Varanus's capture and walks right into a sword. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. We are in Egypt officially, right? I mean, that's like where he was going. He was going to like uh, King Ptolemy or whatever, right? Like I have friends there. I have friends in Egypt. The king is my personal friend. Um, so we're there. No spoilers for where we're like going next episode. But I love the closing out of all of this. You know, I think that the Varenis pullo relationship is so integral to all of this. And like the chemistry between them is fantastic. But getting them to the end where we find them and then this like quiet meeting between Varanus and Pompey out on the beach that night in the discussion. I think it's just a tremendous scene. You know, it's the kind of scene that like I miss in a lot of the like big, um, like, you know, gigantic, explosive, bombastic TV that we do watch nowadays. We may get like epic yeah. battles, but <laughs> rings of power to talk about Amazon Prime. Could have used the scene like this, Grace, at a couple of points. Like, I, I just love getting insight into these guys and the humanity of them to see them in like the quiet of the night where they're both like super vulnerable ultimately mm -hmm. pompey's here with his family it's like he's on the edge of a knife the loyalty of like these these men that are his guides is very questionable and here's a guy that theoretically like should by all rights take him into captive and drag him right back to caesar who respects the nobility kind of inherent in him as a noble as this like great leader of rome and is gonna like acknowledge that while they sit and talk uh i don't know it really works for me and i think it ends in such a strong fashion like it's an excellent send-off for a really important character in the first season of the show. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Um, we haven't touched really much upon Mark Antony, but uh, basically like all everybody's like um, sort of advisors telling them to do these things that, that seem foolish. But I, I do like the scene where Mark Antony is like, this is foolish. We're going to go get killed. And he says, yeah, but our men will know that there are only one of two options. They die or they fend off this attack. Mm -hmm. And so that's the best place for a man to be in. And you can kind of feel like Pompey realizes that potentially, and yet kind of gives into Cicero and Cato and Brutus, who all think that they should uh, sort of decimate 
Caesar's army and, and finish the war. Um, so ultimately that backfires. But um, the other piece of Mark Antony that I really liked was he, the look on his face when Brutus is being brought back into the fold and Brutus is given um, wine and bread, right? Caesar pours him a drink and hands him a piece of bread. And that feels so symbolic of like, this man shall be protected. This is not like, welcome to the feast, but like, you don't get to eat anything. You're like a traitor. This is like fully like, you're back. Don't worry. You're good. Um, and I loved like the conflict there with Mark Antony watching it and knowing he can't really say anything. You can't, he's been told, do not undermine Julius Caesar. Do not, Julius Caesar tells him, do not disobey me. Do not debate me in front of people, my enemies, my friends. Um, and so I, I like this conflict that's clearly brewing here as well. Oh yeah, there's some heat under the surface of Mark Anthony there. It's really great, you know. Um, we're reprising so many Game of Thrones actors. You can't like help but miss like the Edmure Tully and like the uh, Mance Raider of it all right there. So this is He's again basically like, getting salt and what is it? What is it? Yeah, it's salt and bread. It's exactly bread. that, right? Yeah. It's like these, and that's clearly being extrapolated off the wrong thing. So you know, I love like the the kind of undercurrent of tension. I think it is the show to the, where it's important, and it makes it good that we're binging it every day, Grace. So it's important to remember the little beats like that of mark anthony being dressed down at caesar saying you're a smart man i'm sure you will forget this conversation mark yeah. anthony you know um even like the way that um tobias menzies kind of plays brutus coming back into the fold the, like panicked anxiety the, the, the like humiliation of having to do this and like coupled with the fear it really translates and that's where kieran hines is just like absolutely given an a-plus performance because he he does play so magnanimous like it's all the right energy out there in public enough so that mark anthony is like getting mad about it that like how are you like willing to be so friendly with these people who like so like easily turn their backs on you you know um when especially last episode we hung on this like tension of whether or not mark anthony would turn his back on caesar and join him right um yeah very very cool stuff i really i i like love the kind of energy that we come to by the end and this is the beginning of the christmas crystallization of like okay caesar's taking his enemies off the board also like the little bit of the explanation that you went into there of like you know pompey's men fold up and run because like they don't need to stand here and die like all they mm -hmm. have in it is like a day's worth of pay so yeah. when they're getting like run roughshod over by these men who are literally like cornered wolves fighting for their lives they're gonna turn and run you know mm -hmm. and this is a really big deal you drop the term decimate grace i think uh i'm gonna like speak huh. a little out of pocket let the uh -huh. roman historians correct me but i think this is a term that comes explicitly out of the empire the roman empire and that decimate specifically referred to when one like commanding general defeated their enemies they would decimate the enemy army where they would kill exactly 10 percent of like the surviving troops um as like the kind of punishment and to like cut them down a little bit to know like you'll lose strength for this but also we don't need to like wipe you out whole cloth like you may be useful after the fact yeah, it looks like it's 16th, late 16th century Latin, but yeah, take it oh, okay, as Okay, sure, yeah. That's all yeah. the same stuff, isn't it, Roman yeah. historians? Uh, denoted 1,600 years. Yeah. The levying of a tithe and later the tax imposed by Cromwell and the Royalists. But yeah, derived from Latin. Um, I think just lastly here, we talk about Octavia and Servilia. Octavia doesn't seemingly want to go back to Servilia, and I was not reading this right. Once the kiss happens, I'm like, oh, I see why. Like Octavia, even like why she wouldn't want to come back. I feel like the meeting last time ends so well. She's like, please come back. And I thought this was like mentor mentee relationship, but no, it's like 
fully romantic. So yeah, uh, there's not some see tension in the air, Grace. Uh, Lindsay Duncan, LGBT icon. I really yeah. loved getting to see this. Octavia as... You know, Octavian is like so kind of important and Atia is so kind of megalomaniacal, narcissistic. She's like the spider in the web. She's always got a game that she's playing and an angle that she's working. So Octavia as like the, you know, the the kind of least important of those three. I love like seeing her come up and kind of like own her space a little bit. This relationship with Servili is really interesting and dynamic and we will see where it goes. But uh, happy surprised, Grace, or yeah. sad surprised as you get this revelation? Yeah, a little gay surprise for me while I was watching the show. It was great. Yeah, All the yeah. jokes also about like Octavian and whether he wants to penetrate a man. And little did I know, it's Octavia who comes in. It's going to kiss Servilia. So she yeah. comes in, all right. Yeah, it's no. a real ordeal between the two of them. I love these two. I love these two. Well, I think for me, the thing that's like, it, I love how it complicates. Uh, Atia, Servilia, Octavius. <laughs> yeah, really that's what drama, I like. Additional oh. drama has entered oh. the family dynamic of the Julia. That's right. All right, let's put some people into the Colosseum that will be built in a hundred years. Uh, I believe you get to nominate first. I last nominated Mark Antony, and you nominated Pulo, who won the episode. You have a, a, a sort of a victor from this episode. Yeah, I may, quite frankly, Grace, be sending a dead man in to do battle, but I'm going to do it nonetheless. I want to pick Pompey Magnus because this is our final opportunity to like talk about Pompey Magnus in terms of a man who was alive once and is now dead. Um, while he has like a terrible episode in terms of like his power plays, his maneuvering, his like advancing, uh, you know, his agenda, I do think it's just a tremendous episode of insight to him. I love getting to see him with his family, his wife's fear, him like describe battling and like hunting with with the like children there it was like really fun and i can't like overstate how like riveted i am by those final kind of closing scenes with him and Varenus as they're confronted as pulo is like bad legionnaire and Varenus is good legionnaire it's like quite a game that they play between them but pompey magnus that's my guy that's weird because i didn't think pompey was actually in that much of the episode i thought there was anias mella Oh my bad. That's why yeah, you got the mix. You got the mix up. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They look very similar. Yeah. I yeah. mentioned Asmela. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You want to yeah. put an Asmela into the? Yeah. Can I put an okay. Asmela in? Yeah. Yes. No, yes. we'll put Pompey down. I think I got to go with Brennus. I think that he survives. You know, on on the sh uh, you know shipwreck, and then uh, he, he he they do it again, and the raft is so clever, and then he's like able to suss out that uh, it's Pompey and then he's refusing. He tells the man just like walk away, go. And that man doesn't and tries to attack him and he kills him. Then he lets Pompey go. He doesn't get like uh, in trouble for it. He gets to let go walk. He has God, God's his friend. I think I have to put Varenus, uh in as my, my, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll just jump right out here and say it, but like, I think that Varenus should be the man who cuts the head off Pompey Magnus. Yes, he does please. have a tremendous seat when he threatens our poor, like, noseless guide. That really is like tremendous. The whole yeah. interaction there, like, I'm good when I'm done talking, you had best be walking away. <laughs> like, okay, also, I though, I love Lucius Varenus, he's like a yeah. total, like, yes. he's just so rigid and so fixated, yeah. and he's very fun to watch do things. Okay, I will say though that scene though is like when you again in D and D when you are you are just like you think you rolled really well on 
on your wall. And the DM's like, no, they're not changing their mind. You're like, this is so frustrating. <laughs> this is so annoying. <laughs> I rolled like a 16. <laughs> yeah, roll initiative. Roll yeah, initiative. Roll initiative. Like, ah. um, do you have like a fan favorite here between Varenis and Pulo? Are they like uh, equal parts for you? Is there one who like dominates your thoughts uh, the way that Rome dominates mine? Uh, from this, like in the show, just like in I, general, seven episodes in. Yeah. I'm, I'm, do you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to say it. And I feel like you're going to hate me for it. I was so sad that we had no Octavian this episode. He's off away at, at his studies. And I kind of missed, I kind of missed Octavian a little bit. It's all good. I love Octavian. <laughs> I'll be honest. Octavian's uh-huh. a little bastard. Uh, and I love him for that. I love a child who knows that like they're nefarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh Pulo, I think for me is probably I don't know. Pulo, the, I think it's the dynamic duo, Pulo and Varenis. It is. Buddy, They're most this, fun together. Yeah, yeah, this buddy cop movie thing. Yeah, I think it's working the best. It's like chocolate and peanut butter. They're just like both extraordinarily better when they're joined. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have a specific scene or anything you want to note from this episode? Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely um uh, it's it's Pulo and Varenis uh on Pirates of the Aegean, Dead Man's Raft. It's definitely the two of them like rowing out on the corpses i just like i forgot and as i was watching it i'm like oh yeah this is incredible <laughs> like god god's bless for that he's like smart enough to like tie these corpses together and have them row out i love it they had a much easier time than any of the other raft launchings that i've seen and, and their raft is made of corpses yeah, it's pretty good. I think I got to highlight there for the first, like basically what leads up to this, which is when they get the whole scene of them like on the island and Brenna's like, you're wasting time fishing. You're going to die of thirst before you die of hunger. It's like, we could drink the blood of the dead men. He's like, no, man, that's so, <laughs> that's so salty. You'll just be more, you'll just be more thirsty. And then Pulo finds a sword. He's so proud. He's like, everything will be fine. Yeah, tell Ariane I love her. It's so funny. It's so good. Yeah, I love that. It's great. I also wanted to highlight... Um, Octavia is getting her makeup done when she goes to, uh, she's going to go over to Sevilla's. And I do just want to say, I wish I could, you can't really screenshot on HBO Crave. Somebody probably could figure out a workaround, but you know, they don't want you to screenshot their copyrighted content. That's fine. But I did just want to screenshot when Atia says, Graces, don't we look loving? I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> right, through the, right through the screen. Thank you. There's a gif waiting to happen yeah. right there. Uh, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right. I think that that is episode seven. Rich will be back uh, tomorrow um, as we continue on talking about Rome every single day. In the meantime, where can people find you, Rich? I'm at DM Philly on Twitter. I'm talking about a bunch of stuff. Go hit me up over there. Uh, I am on socials at High from Grace or at Go for Grace. Tomorrow we'll be talking about Caesarean. This is the episode season one, episode eight. It's very exciting. Um, we'll be back as we talk about Rome every single day. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.